0: Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. So we have been looking at the prayers of Jesus and Paul in our series. We call it Praying with Jesus and then Paul. And this morning we want to look at this second part of what I call the reverence part of the Lord's Prayer. But before we do that, can we just pray? Father, we thank you this morning that we can come to you through your son, Jesus. And thank you that, Lord, he's already won the victory for us on the cross. Lord, when we look at the disciples who were even Jews and knew very well what prayer was about, we look at them coming to you and asking them to teach them how to pray. This morning, Father, we come also just like them, and I ask that you teach us how to pray. Help us, Lord, that we can engage with you in prayer. Help us, Lord, that we will know your heart when we come in communion and when we come into your presence in prayer. Lord, in an area where we are growing weak or tired in prayer, may your spirit fill us this morning. Individually and collectively, I pray a new grace upon us as a people. We want to be known as a people of prayer. We want to be known as a family that prays, as a church that calls on the God. Therefore, Lord, may you bless us this morning with our grace and may you help us to be able to depend more and more on you. As we engage with you this morning through your word, may you bless us in this place and help us to grow more and more into your word and into your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're looking at praying for the kingdom and His will to come. Praying for the kingdom and His will to come, which is the second part of the lost prayer, which we've started looking at for some time now. And uh, what, what I want to do is that I'll be looking at this, and then I'll ask us to just journey together as we look at Jesus teaching His disciples what to pray, and then the model or the pattern He gave them to pray. Now, I want to say that before Jesus even took off and went teaching them what I mean, the Lord's Prayer or the reverence part of the prayer that he brought to them, it was a question they asked him. And I felt like he started and said that, and when you pray, and when you pray, for me, and when you pray, which will take us to the next slide, and when you pray, he repeated that some few times in Matthew chapter 6. So we want to look at the scripture and see what Jesus said when we pray. So our scripture reading will be taking it from Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, and we'll be reading from the verses ten, what the Word of God says for us. Matthew chapter six, we'll be reading from verses ten. But Jesus said that, and when you pray. He just guide us onto some few things. I felt like he was leading us or he was telling them that when you pray, you got to be cautious of some things. And when you pray. So he was bringing us to the place where he wanted us to be, I mean to be in that room, into that atmosphere where we need to be careful of some things when we pray. I do feel that he brought some things to them. The first thing he brought even to the attention was our heart motivations, our intentions when we pray. It is important that when we pray, we watch what is our intentions, what is our hearts, what is driving us to pray. So Jesus was calling the disciples to that, pray, to that place, I believe, where he was say that you got to be careful so that your praying shouldn't be like you just want to impress people with it. You, you, you just want people to see that you are doing it. And then he moved on and said, and when you pray, he brought them to the place where you want them to make sure they are careful of distractions. Cut off all distractions that distract you from being able to commune with your father, who is our God. And we come to him in that relationship. So when we pray, he talks about first our heart intentions, and then we cut off distractions. And then he also mentions something else. That's when we pray, he wants us to know that we should not just engage in ritual or in ceremony. You could easily be praying because you have to do it. I went to a mission school and I remember in those days in the mission school, we used to be asked to pray the Lord's Prayer. We could rattle, 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 rattle. And you just don't know what you're doing. You were just saying it. Your head, your heart was not engaged in it. You were just saying it because you have to say it. So it's easy for us to get into that place when prayer becomes like a ritual, it becomes like a ceremony. If I don't do it, something is going to happen to me. This God is going to be angry against me. In some religions, if you don't do it, the God will be angry. So we are scared when we, when we feel like we don't. I don't think that is what Jesus is bringing us into here now. He wants us to know that we can come to this Father and when we come, we we'll remember that he is calling us as his sons to engage with him in communion. So, what then did Jesus teach? If this isn't what we should be doing when we come to prayer, he then wrote out what I call a model or a pattern for them to pray. And when we started the series, Pastor Fuzi took us to the first part of this model, where we call Our Father who art in heaven. So I wouldn't be going to that because Pastor Fuzi took care of that already. And then we look at the other prayers that Jesus prayed when Herod led us. And then when Lydia also prayed, led us, sorry, on what it means when we are praying the prayers of Jesus and then Paul. So today we're looking at this second part of the model that Jesus gave, which is your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that scripture is in Matthew 6. Matthew says So Jesus says that, and this then is how you pray. So this reverence part of the prayer says, your, will, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now as we journey, I want us to look at it quickly. And we'll be looking at portions of this prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. The first thing I want us to look at is the your part of the Lord's prayer. So when Jesus unfolded this model or what I call a pattern for them to pray, I don't think he, he said, this is the manner in which you should pray. I didn't think he said they should be repeating this. So you all tell me that prayer is first and foremost about God. You all tell me that City Hill, when we pray, it is all about God. It's all about him. You all draws me into that place where I know that I'm coming to a God who knows my needs. He knows me better than I do. And just like Pastor Fuzi was leading us this morning in that word that was brought that, sometimes you can come into God and you think that, you see, there is a place for when we come where God wants us to bring everything, our petitions and everything. But we always have to remember that when we come into his presence in prayer, it is all about God. Tell him who he is. Let's let's just tell him who he is and what he has done already. And then there is that favorite song we used to sing. Our father who art in heaven. And when we sing this song, there is a portion of it where we talk to God about your kingdom come. And I believe that when we are singing about your kingdom come like the psalmist, David says we should enter into God's gates, We should enter into his presence. We should come into God's presence with thanksgiving. Enter into his cause. We praise. Be thankful. Psalm 100 verse 4. And he says that we should praise him and we should be thankful and we should bless his name. I believe God delights when we tell him who he is. Tell him his name, tell him his creation, tell him how great he is, tell him his power, tell him how his won victory is ready for us. The you all reminds me that when I come into his presence, it is not about me anymore. For me, you all is a call to be a God-ambitious person. You is for me. It's a God-centeredness cry, where my eye is always on God. When I'm even Is when I'm crying and praying, it's God that I am looking up unto, not something else. But You brings me into that place of humility, into that place where I submit. I say that all that I have, what do I have that I did not receive from God? You also change me. You all should bring me into that place where I can say that, God, it is all about you. It is all about you. So when I cry and I call you on your name, I say, you are my reference points. You are my beginning and you are my end, Lord. So when I say you, I'm saying that, God, less of me and more of you, even in my prayer. Less of my desires, but let what you want increase more. So that is the place of your. When I could call him, so Jesus kept talking. So when he moved on from your, he told them, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. I want us to look at the kingdom part of what Jesus unfolded when he kept praying, when he kept teaching them this model in the Lord's Prayer. I believe that the kingdom part of it is, I don't know, but sometimes there are all kinds of things out there when he talks about the kingdom of God. But I want to look at his kingdom and then our kingdom, our pursuit, our mission on this earth. Okay, she reminded me to take this, so because sometimes it looks like the it AC is not enough for Frank. <laughs> so she reminded me to make sure I took this. I believe that when we were born, when God created man, he placed man in a beautiful kingdom. He placed man in a garden and God gave man everything. I believe that is a kingdom of God. God placed in everything. God put in there everything just like he was. And we saw the glory of God that was displayed. But in Isaiah 14, something happened. We saw the prophet describes that the enemy rebelled against God. This old ancient serpent called Satan rebelled against God because in him was rebellion. So when he rebelled against God, he was cast out of heaven. And when he came into this garden that God created, this kingdom God has made, he sowed in the heart of man rebellion. So man decided to listen to the enemy and then reject God. What does that mean? That we, we, we went into a place of living in God's presence in that kingdom of God and now submitted into listening to the devil. So man gave him everything that God gave him. He surrendered it and squandered it unto the devil. So when the devil came, he tempted man by putting rebellion in his heart. So man rebelled against God. So when Paul revealed this in, in, in the beautiful book he wrote in Romans, he says in Romans three twenty-three that we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because when the enemy came in and brought rebellion, he succeeded in bringing the consequences of that rebellion to be death. So death infected the whole human race. The whole human race that God made in his own kingdom got infected with sin. Why? Because the enemy succeeded in coming in and then putting in rebellion and lies, and man obeyed him. And we run away from God, and ever since, man has still been running away from God. And the consequences of this rebellion, Paul said in Romans six twenty-three, that... The wages or the consequence, the payment for the sin is death. But Jesus showed up and he brought another package. And that package, but the gift of God is what? Life eternal. So when the enemy came into this garden and then when he saw rebellion and saw disobedience into this beautiful kingdom that God created, the enemy took charge. So the Bible calls him in John 14.30, he says that he became the prince of this world. That's how John described him. John said that he became the God of this world, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4. in John 14.30. He became the ruler of the world, John 12.31. So when Jesus came on the scene, he also came with a mission. Why? Because God created man and God Placed man in a garden, a perfect place, when man was made in the image of God. And man had everything. Beautiful. Creation was beautiful. The kingdom was great. Everything was good in it. But when the enemy infected this race, Jesus came into the scene to redeem man back unto God. So when he came, the enemy realized, oh, there is a war. So he decided to lead Jesus into the wilderness. And when he led him into the wilderness, the Bible said he used the same tactics that he used against the first man and woman in the garden. He used the same tactics. And one of the things he did was that he showed unto him quickly all the kingdoms of the world. And what he said unto Jesus was that if you can only bow down to me and to worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Church, what the enemy wants is just bow down and to worship him. And he can give you all the kingdoms of this world. He can give it to you, isn't he? So he requested, he demanded worship for Jesus to bow down. And he said, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus knew something. Because why? The father had already promised him in that great messianic psalm in Psalms 2. The father says, ask of me. And I will give you the hidden for the inheritance. I'll give you the nations for the inheritance and the uttermost ends of the earth for your possession. So Jesus knew very well that this package from the enemy, no, he had the better package. Jesus had a better package and he was bringing that package to humanity. And his package was to restore us back into this original kingdom of God. So that was his mission. So when he came, the father said, I'll give you all. I'll give you the nations and everything. But what we find is that sometimes the enemy keeps promising us things. And he promises us even the kingdoms of this world. And we submit to it by bowing down and worshipping Satan. Worshipping everything. Just to be able to get the kingdom that the enemy wants to give unto us. But Jesus is calling us to come back unto God. And when he came, what he did is that Bible said that he came to rule. His mission was to come and to destroy. In 1 John 3, he said, for this purpose was the Son of Man manifested. Why? That he may destroy the works of the enemy. So the coming of Jesus was to destroy everything that the enemy took from man. He came to destroy it. So he came to bring us everything that we lost from God. So this kingdom of God is the reign of God, I believe, which expresses itself in purity and in glory. I believe it is that part that God wants to bring us back onto, just like being in the Garden of Eden. It is God revealing himself again in man. So the earth created by God shew forth that kingdom. He shew forth who God was. But when the enemy entered into the world, he destroyed he destroyed it. But Jesus' coming is to bring back that glory into that kingdom. So Jesus took Satan's temptation and then he destroyed it. And he destroyed the ultimate weapon of the enemy, which is death. So when he died, he went into the grave. And the Bible said he took captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. So his mission is to gather and to build all things back unto God. Whilst the enemy's mission is to scatter and to destroy. Jesus came to gather and to build back into this kingdom. He is gathering all men from the ends of the earth. Maybe the enemy has succeeded in touching some things in your life. He succeeded in scattering you, so you feel like you're going far from God. Or maybe sometimes in your life, you feel like, God, I'm in a place where I need to come back to you again. It's not as if you are fighting from a place where you are trying to prove something. Can we remember the V again? Jesus has won the victory for us already. Hallelujah. He's won that victory and he's calling us to come back. Just keep on walking, declaring and surrendering into this perfect work he's done already for us. So he came back and this kingdom is God's rule. And this kingdom is usurping power over the kingdom of the enemy. Today, Jesus rules in the human heart by faith. He asserts his authority through his love, his truth and the power of the gospel. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto the salvation of everyone that believes, he's talking about a new kingdom. So Jesus is coming, is to bring this kingdom unto us, and is to bring us back unto God. So church, when we pray, your kingdom, your kingdom, it is the longing of our hearts. We, we, it is like crying unto him, he is Ourself unto God, our God, we want to see what your son came to do, revealed again. It is a cry of our hearts. It is the power of God unto the salvation of anyone that believes. It is our prayer that when we ask your kingdom come, we are saying, God, we want to see the power of salvation manifested again. We want to see many saved. When we pray your kingdom come, it is the power of the future kingdom. Because one day this will be expressed. And I believe that now we may look at it and say, Oh, Jesus came and he came to win the battle and he finished everything. But I don't see it fully. I don't see everything about it. He says we are citizens and we are aliens in this world. So when we pray this kingdom, we are saying that we are foreigners here But we want this present kingdom to be dominated by the kingdom of our God. That is our prayer, when we pray your kingdom come. So when we cry this kingdom to come, we are asking God that you will reveal this power that your son brought forth on this earth. And this kingdom is what we cry for as a church. So I look at the next part of it, when Jesus continued to unfold, or unpack what it means to pray the Lord's Prayer, and he talks about this kingdom come. How did the kingdom come? I thought Jesus came to win the victory already. He's already died. He's destroyed the work of the enemy. He's broken sin and death. He's taken shame and confusion. He's taken everything that was mine upon himself, and he died in my place. So there is no question about the kingdom come. Because in Matthew 28, Jesus says that, All authority in heaven and on this earth has been given unto me. He's brought a new kingdom. So Jesus already won the victory. So in his death and in his resurrection, we are declaring that Jesus come again. So come acknowledges that we are not yet in that time when the fullness of Jesus and his victory is seen throughout the world. But we are saying come because we believe that Jesus, our heart is in an expectation. We want to see that final victory won again on this earth. When we say like in in Revelation, Maranatha, Jesus come again. So come expresses the longing of the Christian's heart for God's purposes to be accomplished in the world. When I say come, I say in my own life, Lord, I want your kingdom to come. In my family, I want your kingdom to come. Because if you came to die and took everything and you came to destroy the power of darkness and to set me free, I need not to be afraid anymore of what the enemy wants to do to me. I need not to live in shame and think that the enemy has taken over my life. God is calling us to come back. So when I pray, come, I'm believing that Though he's wonderful the victory, that consummating, concluding, completing kingdom, I'm asking for it to come again. And it is my prayer that when I pray this prayer, I want the gospel to move all over the world. When I pray, come, I say, Lord Jesus, to the unrich areas of this earth, to people who have still not experienced your love, to the place of injustice, to the place of abuse, People who have still not seen the love of Jesus, I say, come Jesus. Come in my workplace, come in my family, come in my children's life, come in my home, come in our nation, come in the church and let the church arise and shine again. Come in the situations that we find ourselves. I saw this picture of the progress of the gospel and I feel like, it is something we can use when we pray your kingdom come. I think that will give us the next slide when we look at this picture. And this I saw was giving me an indication of the progress of the gospel by people group in the world. Now the red part of what you see in this tells us that these are the unreached or least rich people groups of our world. These are places where we could say that countries where we have less than about 2% of people who are Christians, evangelical Christians. And if you look at the territory, we're talking of the greater part of the north of Africa. This greater part of the regions where we find ourselves now. Keep going and you may be heading to... Probably some of us will be seeing our country there. Maybe heading probably into Turkey. We're heading probably into, into Bhutan, into Nepal, Myanmar. You could keep going up there. Kyrgyzstan, we could be going Mongolia. We could be heading into the islands. And we're talking of about 2.77 billion people who have still not been reached yet. 2.77 billion people, which is about 6, 8, 47 unreached people groups of the world who have not heard the gospel, they've not even heard about Jesus. Or these are places where the opportunity to even gather like this is not there. So when we pray as a church that come, what we are saying that we are praying for the gospel, the body of Christ to be built in these places. When we say your kingdom come, we are asking that God, these unreached people groups will come to experience the love of Jesus. In my home, in my family, in the people, God, that belongs to me, in the people that concerns me, they will also come to know you. Like the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 2, when I pray this prayer, I'm saying that, let all men say that we will go to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us his ways. I believe come is a missionary cry for the nations of the world to turn to our God. I can say again that come in my own life, Lord, use me today. If I'm praying your kingdom come, I'm saying, Lord, take my life. Take my everything, take my skill, take my resources. I don't want to pursue my own kingdom in this world, but I want to pursue your kingdom, take everything of my life. Come and take it. I said, I take my home. Let your kingdom come there. Take my workplace. Let your kingdom come there. Take my community. Let your kingdom come there. That is the longing of our hearts. And I could tell him that, Lord, use my hand. I don't want to use it to pursue only my kingdom in this world. But I want to use my hand to pursue your kingdom as well. I want to tell him, use my resources. Use my skill. Use everything of mine. Use my money. Use my time. I want to use it for your kingdom. I want to use it for your kingdom to be built on this world. I do believe your kingdom come is a personal pledge that today I will give myself for the advance of the gospel. It's a personal cry that I will submit my will, my mission, my pursuit of kingdom in this world for pursuit of his kingdom. Because his kingdom is going to last forever. It's a pursuit of his kingdom. So in what ways can I pursue this kingdom? I can pursue this kingdom by pursuing justice for the oppressed. Praying for salvation for the lost. Asking God to bring healing and deliverance. Because it is a manifestation of the kingdom. That the sick are healed. The possessed are set free. The lost are brought back unto Jesus. Jesus. It is God's revelation of his kingdom in this world that he will by his finger destroy the works of the enemy. Then we say that the kingdom of God has come. Then as I look down, I realize that there is an ultimate and future answer to this prayer, your kingdom come. Someday, church, one day, I believe that this prayer will be answered in a grand star your kingdom come will be answered in a manner that the whole world will see finally that the kingdom must come and john said that in revelation 11:15 this is what john said in revelation 11:15 john says that then the seventh angel blew his trumpets and there were loud voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he shall reign forever and ever. This is what John saw in Revelation. He says that the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdom of Christ Jesus. So one day church these kingdoms, I think it is, it is Isaac Watt who sang the song Jesus shall reign forever. Is it Isaac? Yeah, Isaac Watt. If you are into hymns, which I know He said that Jesus shall reign wherever the sun. He said this kingdom will stretch from shore to shore. Now moving forward, so we want to look at the will part because Jesus then said that you pray and this is how you should pray your kingdom come. Then he said to pray the Father's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. I do believe sometimes prayer can be confused As a means of getting our will done. But I think it's Robert Law who says that prayer is not just an instrument for getting man's will done on earth. Prayer is a means of asking God's will in heaven also to be done on this earth. For God to fulfill the will that He has for mankind. So, how did Jesus show us the Father's will? And for Jesus to show us the Father's will, he moved into a territory that I called socially and by custom, he would not have been allowed to be talking there. Jesus met a woman of Samaria and he had a conversation with this woman. I want to run quick here. And in this conversation, Jesus was asking this woman for water. For Jesus to show us the will of the Father, he had to actually cross custom and barriers that prevented even the gospel advancing. That is the will of God. That when the world scatters and builds walls and separation and division, the will of God is that he brings us into environments where we will bring forth God's kind of love that binds people together. Where there is no war, there is no division, there is nothing that says you belong here, you belong there. Because the mission of the enemy is to scatter and to destroy. But Jesus came to gather and to build us back into the kingdom. So he went into Samaria where Jews and Samaritans didn't have anything to do in Kamau. And he was talking with this woman and asking the woman for water. The woman said, no, I have nothing to do with you. You are a Jewish teacher of the law. But it was interesting for a Jewish teacher to be talking with a woman in those contexts, it wasn't allowed. But Jesus was on a mission. The mission was to bring the will of God on this earth. And that will meant that if it means crossing barriers like this to let Jesus be heard, kingdom news, gospel be heard, he was willing to cross it. So the conversation ended because this woman was living a life. And Jesus brought her water and said that if you know who is talking to you, you will have asked me and I will give you living water. I do believe that most of us, sometimes we are also thirsty in this world. We are empty, we are dry in this world, and we try to fill our life with so many things to quench our thirst. Sometimes we try to fill it up with money. You can easily fill it up with the things of the kingdom of this world. But the mission of Jesus is to always bring us back into that place where he fills us with the will of God. So when we live, we say, I'm living in the will of God. So this woman was dry, this woman was empty. She looked for what to satisfy her life from the world, even from men. Jesus said, Bring your husband. And he said that I don't have a husband. Apparently, she's lived with five men already, and the sixth one wasn't the husband. So she was thirsty, and she needed something to quench her thirst. She was dry. Probably your Christian life, you also feel that you are thirsty. You need God to fill you again with the Spirit. You feel like you are empty because you've tried filling your life with the things of this world. You try filling it to make sure that you can go on in this kingdom of the enemy. Paul says that the kingdom is, is not manifest. He says that this kingdom is not in meat and drink only, but it is in righteousness, it is in peace, and it is in the joy of the holy Ghost. Romans 17, 14. And he calls us to come into that place where we can experience the joy of the Lord. And the power of the Holy Ghost. So Jesus said to her that I who is speaking to you, I'm the one i will give you living water. And the conversation got to a place where the woman thought, that, yes, I found it. I found it. So she became excited. She was full of joy. And she left her port and then jumped into the city. This was at a time when the law said that better for the law. The Pharisees would say better for the words of the law to be bent than for a woman to come delivering it and say this is the good news. But this was a woman. She was now in the will of God. She was now functioning in another wheel, and that wheel was the will of God for her life. She told the whole city of Samaria, come and find, come and see a man. He told me everything that I've ever did. She was now excited, full of joy. She was full of everything that God had put into her life. Before, she was hiding. She was in sin. She was in shame. She didn't want to be seen. She was hiding herself. And she was scared what man could even do to her. She was now alive. She became an evangelist in Samaria. And telling the whole city, come and see Jesus. What was the will of God? When the disciples came back, they went to actually gather food. They went to refresh food. So when they came, Jesus said, I have food to eat, which you do not know. John chapter 4 verse 34. So Jesus said to them that my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So for Jesus, the will of God brought him fulfillment. The will of God brought in fulfillment. Doing the will of God brought in fulfillment. It was fulfillment for him to lead a woman to a living water. Are we walking? Are you in the will of God? If what I'm doing becomes oppressive, distracted, tearing me down, and not building up and not helping me to be able to gather onto Christ, then I must ask Am I in the will of God? The woman was now fulfilling the will of God for her life. She was excited. Not only was the will of God fulfillment for Christ Jesus, the will of God also brought Jesus nourishment. He found his satisfaction inwardly from doing the will of God. What Because remember the disciples had brought him food to eat. But he says, my food... Is in doing the will of God and to finish it. So the will of God brought him what I call nourishment. He found his inward strength in doing the will of God. The will of God brought him that satisfaction. Am I trying to gain my, the will of God just in the kingdom of this world? There is another kingdom that God is calling us on to church. What am I trying to find my will in in this life? The will of God was his life mission. He said in Hebrews ten seven that I have come in the volume of the book as it's written about me to fulfill that will, oh God. It was his mission to die, to change the old covenant into a new covenant. So he died to replace that and to bring us into that place where there is no more condemnation, there is no more shame, there is no more fear, and we are all sons and daughters because of the finished work he did. City Hill, in my career, in my relationship, in my finances, like Santosh was leading us today, even in the worship time, he kept bringing that up. In my marriage, my, I should be asking the question, what is the will of God for my life? Paul says that he wills, God work in us both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Philippians 2.13. And for most people in a hurry to pursue the will of God, we head the wrong direction. Sometimes people are in a hurry. I want to know the will of God. God does lead us and we head the wrong direction. And these days, people may even go for, they they could even go to fortune, tell us, tell me what is my will. Some people go for palm reading. I want you to read my palm and tell me tomorrow what is going to happen to me. Others will go and say, okay, can you tell me something about my child? What is the will of God about my child? Tell me where I should do this, what I should do and do. People resort to all kinds of things. Some people resort to horoscopes. People resort to astrology. And people resort to all kinds of mediums and sometimes all kinds of things in our world to know the will of God. But what is the will of God for the child of God? What is the will of God for his church, his people, his body? God has his will for us. And Paul said that he leads us by his spirit. And because of time, let me run it up. He says, he leads us in Romans eight fourteen. For he says that we are no more slaves. We are no more bondage. For he says, as many that are led by the spirits, they are what? The sons and daughters. Let me add that. Of God. So God leads us. In Luke 4, 1, he led Jesus by the spirits into the wilderness. That is the will of God. So when Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done, he was saying something, that God leading us, God's will for our life, who manifests itself in a manner that God's purpose is to make us complete in him. It's not just to make you happy now. Because sometimes we could think the will of God is for me to get this and get that and get that and get that. But his will is to make you complete in him. His will is for you to complete this race and you will look up and say that I'm going home because I've fought a good fight. His will is that he will lead you on that path. When he appears, you say that yes, I walk for you. Let me conclude and just ask us again. As we come into his presence, is there anything in my life? Possibly I need to be asking myself, God, Am I just pursuing my own kingdom in this world? And I've missed it, not pursuing your kingdom as well. Or in which kingdom? Maybe you are a visitor here and you think, I don't really get it. Which kingdom am I in? I don't know. But Jesus is inviting you. He's giving you an opportunity to also come into his kingdom. It's a kingdom he's calling us onto. Probably you want God's kingdom to come over your heart. You want God's kingdom to come over your children. You want to pray for God's kingdom to manifest itself in your workplace. You want to see God's kingdom come even in your situation where you find yourself. Or maybe there is an area where you can tell God, God, this is an area I'm bringing to you. I want to know your will for my life. I want to know your guidance for my life. We invited the band up. The band will be coming up here to lead us as we, we go into God's presence. And in prayer, the band will be giving us a song We'll go just a reflective one, a cool one, as they lead us into God's presence. I want us to just rise on our faith. I want you to just talk with God. I want you to talk with God as the band leads us with this cool song. If there is anything you want us to pray together with, the band, can we please just rise on our faith? The bond will be leading us. I want you to just talk with God. Is there an area in my life that I need God's will? That I feel like I need to go back into your will? Or there is an area you feel God's kingdom should come. I need your kingdom to be manifested here. Are you calling him to manifest himself in an area? Probably it's a health issue. It's an issue in your life that you want to see the power of God. You want to see God change today. Can you believe him for it? Can you trust him to it? I do also feel that for some of us, it is like resisting God because God keeps telling you this and you feel like, it's like you're just fighting with God. You're fighting with God. Will you surrender totally for Him to take over? Will you surrender that part of your life? Will you give it all unto Him? Will you you just say, take over? I totally submit everything. I give it all unto you. I just want us to just close our eyes even this time. Thank you, Jesus. Just talk to him this morning. Talk to him now. Tell him, I don't want to run away from you anymore. Lord, today I want to give my everything to you. I want to pursue your kingdom. I want to pursue your will for my life. And I want to give it all unto you now. Are there things you want God's kingdom to be seen in today? Remember, he came to destroy all the works of the enemy. Is the enemy throwing anything against your life? If you want us to pray with you over anything, can you just raise your hand wherever you are? We just want to pray with you quickly. Whatever you are, just raise your hand. We want to pray together. If you are near anyone who has raised his hand, can you please just lay hands? We want to just lay hands if you lead. If you're near anyone who has just raised your hand, just those of us near him, can we just put our hands on him, please? We ask the ministry team to please help. Just just go around. Whoever has raised his hand, just raise, just, just place your hand on that person and ask that God. We want to ask your hand to come upon this friend's now. We ask you, Lord, to show forth your kingdom in their life. Your hand to show forth your presence in their peculiar situations. Lord, your will to be done in this friend's life. Can you ask Him to do it this morning? And I want you to ask, just pray that the Spirit of God will come down. The Spirit of God will come down now. Probably you are resisting God in an area of your life where you feel like you want to surrender unto Him. Can you give Him your will now? Father, we thank you. Lord, we give all unto you this hour. We know, Lord, you are at work and you've been at work. (laughs) And this morning, Lord, by your Spirit... I ask that, Father God, as we call on you, Lord, touch us. Touch us again. We want to come back, Lord, even for your will, Lord, to be revealed in our life. We want to do your will. We want to do your will. We want to do your will and not ours on this earth. Not ours. Now, in the name of Jesus, probably there's a situation that seems looking to you like the enemy is winning. I don't know what it is, but I ask that God, your spirits, will reveal this kingdom that you brought even amongst us today again. Whatever it be, spirit sickness, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the power of God will touch lives. Maybe the enemy has hit you with a scary report. God, by your finger, you said your kingdom will stand Let the kingdom of God manifest itself now. I pray healing in the name of Jesus. May God heal now amongst us. May the power of God be revealed. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church.